The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you? Um, less good because the Pacers are going to get swept, uh, but that's okay. Uh, we're not here to talk about that. Um, once again, we have uh, Spencer Perlman of the Stepian on to talk about the lotto. Spencer, what's going on? Nothing much. I'm sitting down because my knees kill me. And it's still an honor to be here. <laughs> it is an honor to have you on. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to pick up right where we left off, uh, continue our discussion on each of the lottery teams um, and all things surrounding them. So we left off with uh, the Washington Wizards, who ha- have landed the ninth pick, as expected. Um, so, Spencer, uh, where are you thinking the Wizards sh- uh, should go? As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit BetOnline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. Basel, if he's there, Basel or Congo. Um, yeah, I mean <laughs> that, that team needs defense. You can't really win many games. They're giving up 140 points a night. Um, I don't think you know they have a starting center going forward. Um, yeah. I like Thomas Bryant. I don't think he's a quality starting center. Um, as a backup, sure, but defense, like, you know, it kind of matters a little bit, especially when you're playing Rui as your potential, you know, 4 3 3 4 going forward. But I think Vassell would fit in perfectly, provide some spacing. <clears throat> you know, he'd have to give up that, he'd have to improve that three point rate a little bit. Um, but, like, you know, he definitely fits, and he's not going to be taking the ball out of Wall or Beale's hands. And, you know, you're, if you ask him if he shoots threes at the press conference, he'll say yes because he does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that like a Kongwu is so obvious here because the, yeah. the fact that you, you already have two big time creators, a Kongwu, I think is going to be a really great role, man. Like uh, for the freshman bigs, uh, by far the best screener. He is so uniquely quick off the ground. Um, he's, he, it's just, he's really powerful. Uh, and the fact that he just continues to improve as a passer on the move, like the fact that his best passing game, I think, of his life was his was final game in college against UCLA means something like this guy keeps getting better. Like back in high school, I like he, I think he was a good post passer and he couldn't really pass on the move at all. And by the time he's, he's in his last college game, just like a year later, he's a really pretty solid short roll passer. Um, so I think that that's something that's pretty exciting. I think like we talked about on episode one, 
he's a coverage versatile big man. I think that he's going to be like around best in class for every pick and roll coverage. Like maybe Wiseman or Tillman could be a better drop big, but I, I think that I would probably prefer a Kongu just for how he how he navigates space between the roll man and and the um, uh, ball handler and how he he defends the lob. Uh, you, I could, you could say Zeke Naji is going to be the best uh, uh, guy for if you want to like hard hedge, but I think a Kongu is definitely up there as well. Uh, and then playing like a like a soft coverage just below the level of the screen, like I, I think that he's also very good at that. So just being so good at all of these different things makes him an incredibly valuable piece, uh, especially for a team that just like doesn't really need any more creation. They're in a kind of weird spot where they have that and they have very little of a lot of other stuff particularly defense and washington quietly has like some solid wing talent i mean isaac bonga and troy brown both you know have flashed quite a bit um you know bonga defensively and as a playmaker troy brown with some creation and playmaking and those are just two more guys who can get a con with the ball um like i said like they're quietly a team with quite a bit of creation like like you guys have been saying even in their young talent which is probably a little underrated um but they just don't really have play finishers and you know kongwu is you know maybe the best of that in this, this this entire class so i mean yeah i like a kongwu there i think like like i said i think kongwu is the really obvious uh spot i think they could, could go with like a third guard um i wouldn't be mad at tyrese maxi here because he gives you some guard defense that they don't have you know bradley beal is pretty much a zero on defense uh john wall after all his injuries is likely not going to be his former self um you know and you know, Tyrese Maxey point guard defense, you know, is ever more important. And Tyrese Maxey gives you that, you know, for, for, for similar logic, uh, Kyra gives you some juice as a third guard. Um, I, I think this could be another team. Um, I think it would be incredibly fun to see Poku and Davis Bertans on the same floor. Um, <laughs> that, 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 that would be a joy. Um, Double you know, floppy action with like a single high guy up top. Just how do you oh, defend? Man, I mean, that would fun. be obviously like Poku, you know, not, not the 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 god tier shooter that Bertans is, but certainly could you know get up there. That you know you, you know to, to be determined what they do with Bertans in the long term. But that gosh, that 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 would be a fun duo. You know, and okay. another guy I think should factor in, maybe not would, uh, is Pat Williams. That e- either with with Bryant or Bertans, um, just to have a guy who's a really good rim protector, uh, but you know is not a center uh, I think would be useful. And he's a guy that I, th- I trust to space the floor, floor and attack closeouts as well. Um, I think he should factor in if they're committed to someone like Bryant. Um, how sad is it that uh, like that precious could factor in for them at nine and that he would also improve their defense in the short term? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that wouldn't, I mean, like they're probably the precious team. If there's a precious team, um, it would well precious in the top in the lottery would be just untenable for any of these any of these teams to me. Talk about like loss of value. Oh yeah, I mean, just thinking about drafting Rui and Precious at nine back to back years, it's it, it, it would be truly a disaster. I mean, I, I I like to have more faith in the Wizards, who I think have been pretty solid like on the margins, aside from you know the Rui pick, of course. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I'm actually gonna, I'm a, I, the the one thing I guess I could push back. So I I don't think Rory should at like no, just don't take him in the lottery period. But 
if you buy him as a full-time or heavy center, and if you're playing him as a five, if you're playing Ruri as a four, which you should because he's he's not a three, um, like if that's what you're willing to do, then okay. And you're just like really pushing the pace. You're you're switching with Precious um, because I think there's definitely some switchability there, just not full-time because I think he moves well. I don't think he moves, you know, elite tier. Um, I think that's something to think about. Like, again, I wouldn't do it. But if you buy him as a full-time center or, you know, a heavy center, you know, squint your eyes, turn your head a little bit, you can see it. Yeah, I just like – Yeah. I, I get that argument. And I, I think that, like, I think Precious is a pretty solid defensive prospect. Um, but just that – having that IQ on offense, yeah. it's just like, man, you have, like, at least two guys on the court then who are, like, really, really bottom-tier – decision makers like they're going to totally destroy possessions um when the ball comes to them uh I, that would just be really scary to me um i should be like if you paired like like julius randall and bobby portis and like put them on the same floor like, <laughs> that, that, you know what Oof. That, now it's probably a pretty bad idea right yeah that, that doesn't sound too smart yeah i mean no. you know obviously that's half joke but yeah i mean you you, you especially on a team you know Bradley Beal is like a fine passer, but it's not like incredible as your engine. Again, John Walls, you know, how good he's going to be is really up in the air at this point. It's just like, I I guess like, but like, why wouldn't you take a Kongwu? Like, like, for what reason would you take Precious over a Kongwu there? I mean, besides the reason oh. that a Kongwu isn't there, like, no, <laughs> there, there is none. I yeah, to, to be fair, it does, it does seem like the NBA as a whole like prefers a Kongwu to Precious. Yeah, um, yeah, and 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 I like I don't I don't know about Washington. Like I think that on most of these mocks that have them going for Precious at at nine or yeah nine, um, I I don't think a Kongwu is on the on the board. And I I would at least hope that like yeah they would they would know to take a Kongwu if he's there. But um, yeah, I don't know I don't know where this started from. But but like it it, I, it does seem like like on these mocks where they're ending up with precious uh a kong was not there for them to take my my theory with mocks in general is that i think a lot of the information comes from agents especially depending on who the person creating the mock for is sure. and then the stuff coming from teams like it, it very well could just be a complete you know fake um, yeah i mean until like, until the day of the draft where you have where you have Gavoni making his last second tweak so that he gets all the picks right. Like until right then, <laughs> I I feel like it, it's it's pretty unreliable. But I mean, for for the most part, it's going to be I think a better indication of of like stock around the league than you know just us guessing. I guess. Yeah, I think especially this year, like where there you know teams among teams, there seems to be less of a consensus than ever. Um, there's just going to be no way to know until we hit October and we get this draft happening. So. Or November. Yeah. Or November. Before we have a 2020 draft. I mean. um, should we move on to Phoenix? I think a much more exciting uh, situation with a lot more good options. Uh, Spencer, what do you, what are you thinking is I, again, this is, this is late enough in the lottery that you don't know who's going to be available, but who are, who are a couple of guys that you think make a lot of sense in Phoenix? And my former employer. Um, <laughs> I think it, I mean, I'd love to see Kyra there. Um, 
I would the speed, the pushing, the pace, the athletes on the side. Um, he'd be able to play on ball with Booker. He could play off ball with Booker. He could do a little bit of both. Um, if he falls to ten, which could happen, like you know, could happen. I heard back in February that his range, Kyra's range, was eight to twenty. So you know, ten is definitely right there. Um, if not Kyra, Maxi. I think Maxi's definitely a good fit there too because if you do that, you're playing Booker on ball a lot more. Um, you have, you know, that point of attack defender who. He's a little bit switchable. He's physical. He's an awesome finisher. I buy the shot once he raises the form a little bit. Uh, but like one of the biggest I don't know, selling points, I guess, to, for picking any point guard with Phoenix would be Rubio. Uh, I just think having him as a mentor can do so much in terms of like reading the game the right way on offense. And then on defense, like Rubio has been one of the highest impact defenders pretty much since he stepped foot in the league. So if you can combine that IQ um, on top of somebody like Maxi, who already definitely has IQ, but on top of that, he has the physical traits. Um, you know, he's, he's strong, he's sturdy, he, he's pretty quick, um, got quick hands. You know, he's he's long. Um, like I'd love to see that. Just you know, that point guard, somebody can fit next to Booker. Yeah, Maxi is the one for me who I would be most excited about uh, in Phoenix. Like you said, just to get a guard next to Phoenix, we we talk about for Maxi a lot how you really need you know that bigger creator uh, to maximize his value. And I think Phoenix is the first team on the board that that really has that in place. You know, maybe like you say, like Talon's with Minnesota, but he's not going number one. Um, you know, the, the first team in his realistic range that you know has that guy. Um, in Devin Booker, who you know has, has shown throughout the bubble and all that this last couple of seasons that he really is, you know, really could be a, a serious, serious offensive engine um, once he continues to enter his prime. When it's having Maxi, a guy who is so so dynamic, attacking a tilted defense with his burst and his elite finishing ability, um, you know, in that in between game, which he wasn't able to show as as much as Kentucky, but he most certainly you know has and is. You know, could be very, very good with his floater and and the pull up mid ranges, yeah. And then like defensively, like you said, someone who's going to compete, um, someone who adds, you know, definitely a better defender. You know, adds a good point guard defender next to Devin Booker, who you know still has his struggles on the defensive end. So, yeah, that's that's the that's a fit I, I really really like as just you know getting getting that long term secondary guard next to Booker, and definitely gives you some versatility. You know, playing playing him on or off the ball with what Phoenix likes to do with their motion offense. So. I, I like all of these guard options. Obviously, if Killian is there, absolutely love that. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially because Booker is just such a diverse scorer who can like truly score on and off the ball all over the court. Um, I think that that's something that fits really well with Killian. Um, and, and I think that he's just a, a better defensive prospect than, uh, than these other guys. But I, I like more realistic options. I really like the idea of Maxi a lot. Uh, I think Kyra makes sense as well, especially because I, I think some people see Kyra. He's very skinny. Uh, assume that he is not a good defensive prospect. I think he's pretty solid. Like at the, yeah. he he definitely needs to work on his screen navigation, but he tries. He can move pretty well, and his recovery tools are very good. Uh, he's really good using his length to to like get people with rearview contests and just get back into plays. Um, I re- yeah. So I I'm a pretty big fan of him as a defensive prospect. And this is a situation where he's not the guy in the half court. He could play in transition. And then in the half court, he can play off Booker. Uh, we've talked about in the past, how he, he is a pretty, uh, pretty potent off ball player just because he has the shooting. And I mean, if you're, if you're closing out on a Kyra, he's going to blow by you. Uh, he just will. 
um, and to just lessen the burden burden on him as a as a a guy who's creating for himself and others, I think would really help him in the half court. So I like that a good bit. I I think I think realistically though, Maxi is my favorite. I like Pat Williams as well that. there. Uh, yeah, as as another guy who who can bring some some uh, weak side rim protection and and then can just um, can space on offense uh, and attack closeouts. Uh, I think similarly, Poku is an, is a, you know would make yep. sense there. Um, I don't think Okoro or Denny will be there, but they also make sense. Uh, I mean, I think that basically the point is outside of very few guys, like pretty much everyone who could realistically go in this range is a really nice fit for Phoenix. Like I, Vassell would be great there as well. Uh, like a, a kind of a little redundant with Mikhail, but the good thing is that those, they kind of have additive skill sets in a way that, that it's just like there's, you can never have too many of those guys. Um, so I, I think they're in a great spot. Uh, I guess Spencer, are there, are there any picks that you think that could realistically happen that you wouldn't like for them there? If a Kongu falls, it wouldn't like that. Um, just because you can't play him and Aiden together. Um, but but Aiden played with a center at Arizona and a Kongu played with a center at USC. Yeah, and that worked out so well for you know both of them in terms of impact, right? <laughs> yeah. Um Oh actually I, I know one that, that would be awful. Neesmith. I think I, oh. I have another one. Go ahead, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Neesmith, he shouldn't go lottery. I, I no, he shouldn't. No. Yeah. Just no. Um I actually don't really think. Um, oh crap! What was I going to say? Never mind. I'll say I don't love Hallib. I wouldn't love Halliburton here. Yeah. Um, I think like we're, you're starting to get to the point where the fits are better for Halliburton in this range, but still with Phoenix, I don't think it's ideal, given you know just another really bad on-ball defensive guard is not exactly what you need. Um, you know, just, uh, I mean, he, he makes sense theoretically as a guy who can play off Booker offensively, you know, someone who will hit spot ups, um, keep the ball moving as a linking player. I, I just defensively, I don't think it makes a lot of sense in terms of insulating Booker, um, like, especially at the point of attack. And I mean, I know, you know, this is obviously, you know, Halliburton is a long-term play, but he's really redundant with Rubio at this point. Um, obviously can learn from him, but doesn't, I don't think he, I just don't think he adds that much here. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as long as you're if you're if you're getting someone, if you're drafting a guard, you want a guard who can defend other point guards. You you're gonna want someone who can create create, you know, either look for himself in the half court, um, whether it's off movement or you know, off the dribble. Um, and you you obviously can't take a center. Um they're in a cool spot though. Like, you know, they yeah. definitely have talent. And I think playing Aiden a little bit more in space, uh, in the bubble, I think that definitely helped a little bit. Um, I mean, it helped a lot, um, but yeah, you know, they're in, it's a cool situation to be in. I think. Yeah, there are a few distinct uh, directions they can go, and I think with a, with either a guard, a, like true wing, or more of a forwardy type, and I think they would all make a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're in a they're in a really cool spot, uh, and like it would have been it would have been neat if they had jumped up, but I don't I don't think it matters that much. Like, yeah, I, I, I think, think this they, is this is like an ideal spot. Probably like takes them out of Killian range, but maybe not. I mean, there's, I mean, like there have been like some people plugged in have, you know, speculated that Killian could fall, you know, to this range or further. Um, so I mean, like this is like, yeah, like, like, like the eight to 10, like the eight to 14 range is honestly like just as, just as fine or even better than like the four to six range of this draft. Um, also like money, like you're, yeah, yeah, yeah you're paying the contracts. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Oh man, now now I'm just thinking about they're they're gonna they're gonna be on the clock and like Killian, Maxi, Pat Will are all gonna be there and they're gonna take Neesmith and I'm just gonna be so deeply depressed. You already got and then, and then, Neesmith last year. Like, yeah, and then people are yeah. gonna make the Cam Johnson comp and Cam Johnson was just <laughs> better than Neesmith. He yeah, was I was much too better. low on Cam Johnson last year. Uh, he is, I mean, he, despite being the, the only thing he really has, um, he really has on him is age. Um, even then, Cam is so much better in every way. I mean, oh, man. yeah, that would, that would really drive. I mean, Sadiq Bay would also be awful if they took Sadiq. I, Bay. I, 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 I don't think they'd go with either of those. Guys. I don't know, man. Sadiq Bay and Neesmith are, seem to be in like every mock lotto. We'll talk. We'll talk about them some more later, though. Uh, should we move on to San Antonio? Kind of like kind of an opposite situation, uh, where they have not really a lot long term. I mean, they have they have their guards, but Derek White is is already quite old. Um, he's a good player, but but not I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't really think that he's like on like even like considered part of their core. Probably they have Dejounte. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a strong DeJounte take. And then they, um, who knows if they'll have DeRozan and Aldridge, uh, what has a couple years left. Uh, but yeah, they kind of don't have um, much. Um, I, I don't know, Spencer, what are, what are some directions you could see them going in? Cause I feel like, like with this, like there's, there are very few things that are necessarily fits that stand out from other fits and, and like, it's kind of hard to, to guess at what they're going to do. Cause I mean, we haven't, we haven't seen them pick this high. Uh, I, I don't think Ben and I have seen it in our lives actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially me. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think Kyra again, I, I think he, he would definitely fit there, you know, going from that blazing speed point guard and Tony Parker who, to someone who has a similar speed, not the finisher Parker was around the rim, doesn't have the craft, but um, definitely the better shooter. Um, I think, I don't think I've seen this anywhere. I think Dark Horse pick, like Poku, like Poku in, in San Antonio, I think is perfect from so many levels, whether it's a player development thing and just a trust, whether it's the Spurs and their comfortability um, drafting European players and taking their time developing them and I mean, I mean, like, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi was brought on slowly. Now Kawhi is Kawhi. Um, yeah. And just like, you know, also fit, you know, you could play him with Aldridge. You could play those guys together. It, he definitely helps space the court. And, you know, when you have someone, um, you know, Lonnie Walker is not a particularly good outside shooter, but DeJounte Murray is not a three-point shooter, period, pretty much. So you're going to need some space there. And then obviously DeRozan occupying the mid-range. Um, although I think he has the player option this year, maybe. Player yeah, I think I think I think he has a player option, but I'm not. Positive. Yeah, I mean, he's basically like Kyra and Poku. I, I'd love to see Poku in San Antonio. Yeah, Poku is the one that I was like, that like that, that's the guy. I'm like, yeah, like just just get the guy with the biggest long term appeal because their core is weird. Uh, and like we said, I mean, the Spurs, you know, like even now show show positive, like continue to show their ability to, de- to develop players. You know, turning Keldon Johnson into like an incredible finisher. Um, you know, just in year one, DeJounte Murray has taken strides on the ball. Like, it, it, it just makes a lot of sense as, like, a culture fit, I think, you know, um, as well. Just getting a guy who they can, you know, mold into whatever he becomes. Um, yeah, has, like, a lot of avenues to be good. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would like that quite a bit. I am – I'm kind of selling myself on something that I don't think would be good value just because I don't think you need to use a pick this high on him. 
But I think that if you're talking about taking a swing, I know who you're saying. I think go go to Argentina yeah. and and take Leandro Bolmaro. Like it, if you're t- you're talking about a team that yeah, it's developed guys as finishers, developed guys as shooters. You just take a guy who is a really unique advantage creator with his handling and shiftiness, who has really incredibly high feel and creativity as a passer, who is a spectacular defensive guard uh, on the ball and is a good team defender. Um, but you just take a guy with with feel, size, creativity, some unique physical tools. Um, yeah, and you see if you can get him to shoot and you see if you can get him to finish. Because uh, I, I don't know, like at this point, like San Antonio, I, I think like it's a front office that can afford to take swings. They have the cachet to do that. Like, why not just do it? Um, you know, maybe, maybe don't take Bulmaro this high and trade back maybe, but I, I think that he's, he's a guy with, with real boomer bust equity. And I, I think that there is also some, like, he's an okay spot up shooter and can attack closeouts and is a really good point of attack defender. Like, I think those outcomes are there and we've, we've probably have, have undersold that a bit on this, on this podcast in the past. But I, I do think that at the top end, he's a guy with really exciting uh, outcomes. And I, I kind of think San Antonio is a spot where I'd like to see them try to extract that. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, probably a little high, uh, like you said. I don't think he's Yeah, gonna... if it's bad from a value standpoint. Yeah. Because you don't I need mean, to take him that high. Certainly, if there's a team to take him that high, I think San Antonio is one of the better ones. Um, I'd also like, I mean, I'd like Pat Will there too. Um, just another guy that can develop. Um, again, uh, I, I kind of like phoenix like a lot of options for them in, like, in a different way from phoenix but you know just so many guys who you know could be good here yeah it's just a shame that there's there there aren't great swings that they can take like i think they could also go for rj but i don't rj hampton but i don't really like think that he's got primary equity however just developing him physically uh ironing out the shot teaching him how to play defense uh you know if you can if you can do those things uh, he does have the the burst and strides that I think are pretty close to class best, um, and I, I think that I, I I am more intrigued by him as a finisher than Kyra because I think that he's a far superior vertical athlete. Uh, so I, I think that that's that's another gamble that would make sense. Although I think that the the potential payoff is not quite as high as someone like Bolmaro even. Yeah, it's a weird spot. I mean. Yeah, it, it is really odd. I'm I'm curious to see what they do there. I hope I hope that it's not boring. Um, then again, like it it I think like kind of Keldon was like a little boring last year, and he seems to be good. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what they do for sure. Uh, should we move on to Sacramento? Yeah, let's move on to Sacramento, which is another really interesting one to me. Um, with lots of questions about their core and what's up with Marvin Backley, uh, Spencer, uh, who would you take uh, for Sacramento at this point? If Macelle is there, <laughs> um, Poku, yeah, why not? Um, but I mean, if Macelle is there, he he, hundred percent be my number one target. Um, same with Acoro. There's no way both of those guys fall though. Yeah. Um, or chances are neither of them fall. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like this is the point, I guess, specifically for them. You know, they need a center of the future. Holmes is not that. Um, Bagley. I still believe in Bagley. I know he's got, you know, he still has a lot to improve on when he's healthy, which has not been very often. Um, but it's just kind of like building around, you no know, De'Aaron. And I mean, I can see Neesmith going here. 
um, just because, you know, Bogdan, who knows what's going to happen with him. And of course, you know, uh, healed wanted to be traded a few months ago and who knows if that's still the case now. Um, I mean, like with them specifically, I, I know it's towards the back end of the lotto. I would just try to trade down and I think you just get better value, whether it's Josh green at like 18 or something or Neesmith a little bit further down. I think, like I think Des would fit great there and I would take him over Neesmith every single time. Um, it's, it's tough though. Like, you know, cause you have Fox, but there's really no great player who fully compliments him. I think Poku is a sensical compliment as just like another really yeah. exceptional transition player, both on and off the ball. Um, Again, like worries in the half court on both ends with with Poku at least early. Um, I think Poku. I mean, I, I think Poku would be cool there. Um, definitely a foil to Bagley in the front court, uh, and a compliment to Fox in quite a few ways. Uh, but yeah, I th- it's a tough one. I would like Maxi there as well. Um, I think he works well next to Fox on, on both ends. You know, covering for you know be be more on ball on defense. Uh, can attack closeouts off of Fox's rim gravity. Um, you know, probably more of a long term option than Heald or Bogdanovich there. Um, so yeah, th- th- those are probably my two favorite targets. You know, assuming if the sells off the board. Even, even uh, Pat my Will, like, yeah, my clear favorite is Patwell. Um, the the like that he can bring rim protection alongside. Bagley, um, and then offensively he can space. Uh, I think that that's a, a valuable archetype to have next to Bagley. Um, so I I really like Pat Will there quite a bit, but no one else really stands out. Like because Denny is not going to be available, but I I do like that fit. Uh, but it, it's it's too low for him. I think Poku makes sense. Um, I, I I think that someone like Desmond Bain makes sense as well, but it's just it's a little high for him. Um. So, like, to me, the, the one guy that I really like there is Pat. And otherwise, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it could very well end up being someone like Neesmith or Bay. And I think that would be awful. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. Especially for Bay. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly high on on, um, on Sadiq. Either yeah, no. really for me. I mean, yeah. Um, should we move on to New Orleans now? Yeah, let's do it. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit BetOnline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. 
In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. Um, Ben, you want to start us off with this since you cover uh, the Pelicans? I do. Um, New Orleans is in a really good spot here. Like really, really good. Um, I say this a lot. Um, every time I see a mock where New Orleans passes on Tyrese Maxey, I, I grow gray hairs. Um, I think Tyrese Maxey is like the very obvious top guy for me here. You know, a guy in my tier one still, um, you know, more of like a tier 1.5 kind of guy for me behind, you know, LaMelo, Killian, and Ant. Still you know, a top, top tier prospect for me, you know, makes sense playing off of the Pelicans have their jumbo initiator in Zion Williamson in the long term. Brandon Ingram has his issues, but is a very, very is becoming a pretty is pretty stellar half court shot creator for himself, and Maxi works beautifully off off of those guys. You know, playing as like a third uh, a third guard or second guard type, where he's not forced to create uh, his own his own shots, um, and is allowed to you know attack closeouts, which, which he does so well. Uh, is going to be a spacer. Uh, the Pelicans. Um, you know, their recent track record of developing three-point shooting uh, makes me even more confident in Maxi as a shooter um, in that ecosystem. Uh, and then defensively, you know, he, him and, you know, d- depends on what they drew, they do with Drew in the long term. I would like to see them keep Drew Holiday. Um, you know, that gives them a devastating, you know, guard duo in the backcourt. Um, it's just a really, really great fit all around for both player and team. Uh, it makes so much sense. Uh, I like Cole Anthony for similar reasons. Cole uh, playing off of Zion needs to play off of a creator. And Cole gives you something that the Pelicans don't have right now, and that's pull-up three-point shooting. Uh, the Pelicans don't have anyone who can consistently shoot pull-up threes. Uh, it's it's a weakness for Ingram at the moment, though I can see him developing it. It's a weakness for Lonzo. Drew Holiday's not created it. Obviously, Zion doesn't do it. Uh, so aside from J.J. Redick, there's really no one to give you off dribble three-point shooting. And that's obviously vital. And Cole, you know, likely will give you that. Uh, you know, same, not going to be as good defensively as Maxi. not going to, you know, be the finisher. But, you know, adds that shooting, which, you know, he's probably going to be, be better than Maxi as, as an off-dribble three shooter. Those two guys and those two guys and also uh, Alexi Pokusevsky, Poku would be great there. Um, again, a guy who I think is likely to hit his shooting ceiling with New Orleans. You know, just imagining him and Zion running in transition is, is scary. You know they can interchange. Um, I, I I wrote about this earlier. Zion, you know, obviously, you know, was just a monster and like on those seals spin off is in transition as a lob threat. Poku could get him the ball, but I think you know there's some room for Zion to play as you know transition ball handler, which he did a ton at Duke and had great success. It didn't do really at all in the NBA. You know to get Poku sprinting down the wing and, and gunning triples. I think he'll fit equally well with Lonzo. Um, and defensively, the Pelicans really lack uh, rim protection help. Uh, you know, Zion, you know, was a really poor defender his first year. Jackson Hayes is really raw. Derek Favors, you know, is aging and has, you know, is kind of up and down at this point. Poku gives you that weak side rim protection, though he has lots of flaws on defense. Um, I would love to see, you know, a guy like a Coral fall. He's not going to fall this far, but that perimeter, that like they desperately need wing defenders. Uh, so, yeah, uh, my top two guys are pretty clearly. Uh, Maxi and Cole for them. Yeah, I love Maxi there without any qualifiers. Uh, Cole, I have mixed feelings on. For the most part, I like him. Uh, 
I think that he's he's not like dumpster tier as a defensive prospect because he he is I think an intelligent team defender and he can move well laterally uh, and he's he's strong. It's just like the screen navigation definitely definitely needs work um, and just like he's he has a lot of really really bad lapses. Um, but uh, yeah, so so the the defense worries me because I do think they need a defensive guard presence. But I do really like Cole as a transition player. Like he was, in high school was such a good transition passer. He's always looking up to move the ball um, and really with that added space can make some really impressive passes. Uh, on top of that, like. I, I think that his acceleration while already moving is really, really good compared to his his burst from a standstill. Uh, and so, like, he can hit another gear in transition. Uh, in, in addition to that, he's really skilled maneuvering on the interior when he has space to do so. Like, he's very good with hop steps and, and various footwork moves. Um, but he just couldn't really do that in the in the tight confines of, uh, of UNC's spacing. So I think that he's a really good transition player. And that obviously just has the, the quick trigger incredible shooting. Uh, and I think that that would add really nicely to a team that like is shaping up to be a ridiculous force in transition. Um, but I, I do, I worry about the defense. Uh, Kyra, I think also makes sense if he's there. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Spencer, what, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I was going to say just echoing everything you said, and then I was going to add on Kyra and just like the fact that you have guys you can create from the non, you know, point guard position gives them so much flexibility in terms of who they can add because you know you have Nikhil alexander walker who can you know he, he has to improve for sure but he's someone who can potentially create as a primary um or gets like bench units and someone like that you can then have you know a smaller score potentially cole or someone like maxi who i don't really think is that great of a passer um but he'd fit everything else in terms of what they need um you know, just going back to the lack of shooting again, I would take Neesmith this high. I think in terms of fit, you know, he's someone who would fit there, as would Dez. Um, but at thirteen, it's like you know, you could trade down a few picks and get him, and there's just too much there. Yeah, yeah Bane, Bane was one that that occurred to me, um, just because he can create for he can create for himself and others a little bit off the dribble, but he's not going to be your primary option. He doesn't need to be. Uh, and then he can be a reliable defender uh, and obviously just a great shooter. That one makes sense to me. I do wonder, like, with the number of times that we're saying, this guy's a good fit, but you should probably trade down. I do wonder if we're going to see, like, several Cam Johnsons this year where it's just like, wow, that does not seem like great value, but it does make some sense. Um, I, I'm, I'm starting to think that we're probably going to see that, where teams are just like, all right, no one, no one wants to trade back. We're just going to get our guy here. Uh, I, mean, I, th- I think, I think yeah. that's going to happen. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll quickly make a different point. Um, yeah, I mentioned, like, you know, I, I don't think you want Maxi or Cole or, like, or Kyra running a bench unit, but, like, they shouldn't have to because, um, like, the Pelicans, I mean, you know, Alva Gentry, Alva Gentry obviously out now. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that, but that's the topic for another day. Um, was not great with his – not the best of his rotations. Um, like, there should never be a time in competitive – in, like, competitive basketball – where there's none of Zion Ingram or Drew off the floor, like th- that just shouldn't happen. Like they, yeah. they have the flexibility to stagger all three of those and have like a competent offense for 48 minutes. Um, like I should never have to run the bench unit. Like Nikhil Alexander Walker was overextended for a lot of the year. I mean, same with like a couple, like I don't know, like even Lonzo at times. Um, but yeah, I mean they should have like they have the infrastructure offensively to you know kind of get whoever they want and make it kind of work. Um, I do worry about like, yeah, like, like I wouldn't like Bay or Neesmith or like Bane's better, but I think it's still a little high. 
um yeah they have a really like their core makes it to where um like their like this year's pick probably isn't going to be like super move the needle transformative type um but if they if, if they hit on someone it could really really add you know a, another piece to that to that team that is looking to be a contender and you know for the next decade assuming zion you know is what we all think he will be in ingram and i'll like i'll quickly want to mention vassell like if he's there i do i'd love him but i don't think he's going to follow this far um so you know if josh green's shot were more believable right now also yeah. just because he's got the passing and like just he's, he's so quick yeah and like on top of that, he's a smart defender too. He'd so. be awesome in that transition attack on, on offense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I if I believed in him as a shooter, I would love that because he can, he can take top perimeter options. I think across one through three, uh, short of like the really huge wings, um, and do an incredible job at the point of attack with his just like absurd hips and strength and length. Uh, and then he is a really smart team defender as well. I just don't buy the shot. Uh, I don't buy the offensive game in general because the finishing is also such a mess. Um, two left-handed finishes. In it's the incredible. In the last well, two was, years. A sev- seventh percentile finisher this year in the half it's court terrible. at the rim. Yeah. It, it, it's like forty-one percent, I think. In the Especially, half court. Yeah, it, he's like not a terrible athlete either. Like, yeah, yeah. It, the, his finishing is disastrous. He like to to whatever extent Halliburton and Killian uh, have like problematic dominant hand dominance josh green is at a different level like it's it's crazy i like he when he has to attempt what would be an offhand layup like it is it's like painful to watch like he he totally panics um it, like it looks like a guy who like hasn't played basketball before uh halliburton actually had fewer left-handed the only two left-handed shots he had around the rim this year were tippins oh, what oh my at god least, yeah green's had um I mean, I think he's had a few reverses and awkward actual finishes, but yeah, Halliburton, his were non-existent. And oh I think, God. Yeah, well, that's, Killian, that's because Halliburton's rim attempts on the whole were non-existent. Yeah, he, he yeah. shot like 80 times at the rim all year. I mean, yep. Yeah, it's, it's oh, what, what there was, um, oh, some, some, there was some comparison of Halliburton to Shea somewhere. Oh, and Lord. Shea, it, Shea in his one season at Kentucky, had like three times as many rim attempts as Halliburton did in two. It was pretty funny. Um, should we move on to the final team in the lottery, uh, yeah, my let, Celtics? Let's, Mac, why don't you talk about your Celtics and the things that you would like to see them do here? Sure. So I'm in the familiar position of being up 3-0 in a series. Hopefully, hopefully they will have swept Philly by the time that this uh, this goes up. And having a lottery pick, uh, it, it is very difficult being a Celtics fan. It's a tough life. Um so long term, Celtics are building around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, of course, that you know the central piece there is Jason Tatum. Uh, I I think that a lot of people would probably be inclined to think that that you need the long term big man. I don't really think that that's the case necessarily. I think that uh, I mean yes, yes, they do need a long term big man, but. I think Brad Stevens has shown significant uh, ability to build defenses with, you know, middling big men and um, the fact that you have Jason Tatum uh, and, and Marcus Smart uh, uh, to, you know, play team defense around that uh, is really valuable and allows you to to build without necessarily a, a traditional anchor. Um, I What I think they do need long-term is a guard complement to, to Jason Tatum. Uh, and luckily for them, I think this is a great draft to to get that guy. 
Uh, obviously, number one in my heart and in my mind would be Killian Hayes. Uh, the Gavoni and their the first mock that they dropped post uh, <laughs> post lottery had Killian Hayes going to the Celtics at fourteen, and I would just I would die on the spot, man, if that happened. I would my life would peak. Just would, like, it would be done. I think Max's reaction when the Celtics landed Grant Williams, but like, yeah, um, I I would freak the out. Draft fan on the planet. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I would freak out if they got Killian. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he'll be long gone by then. Uh, so realistically, my top choice is Maxi. I think he's a great fit there. He's not uh, an off-the-dribble advantage creator. He just doesn't have the handle for that. But when you get him in advantage situations, and Jason Tatum creates advantage situations because his scoring gravity is so ridiculous, uh, and he's gotten better at just moving the ball quickly. Like when when teams come, like they blitz him or they hedge him, like he moves the ball pretty quickly. And, and if you're finding... Uh, Tyrese Maxey in say a four on three or really even just like a closeout situation. I trust him to get by a closeout. I trust him to hit a floater. I trust him to kick out or dump off on, on that closeout attack. Um, I trust him to hit spot ups, trust him to hit off movement shots uh, in the Celtics offense where there, where there is a lot of opportunity for other guys. I do trust him to, to like handle off DHOs and get into that, get into his runner game or, um, or get into his pull-up game. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's obviously an incredible finisher. I love him as a guard defender. Uh, I think he's a perfect fit. Like he is, he is like in bold ink circled as the realistic number one for me. Uh, I do like Cole as well. Um, I, 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 Spencer, what, what did you, why did you think I wouldn't like Cole uh, in Boston? I guess just the minute distribution. Although I guess you guys have Brad Wanamaker. So mm. like he could def- just fill that in. Um, I don't know, like just trying to figure out where the minutes would come from. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have 96 minutes between the one and the two. And I guess Mark can definitely play some three, so you can play him up a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, they're willing to play a lot yes. of guards. Um, yeah. And Smart is such a weird player that I, I, I like, yeah, he's a guard. But, I, I mean, he can defend threes and fours better than most threes and fours. Um so I, I think that would be fine. And to me, it's more of a long-term play uh, where I, I think that um, I really like Cole as a team defender. Uh, like a, a little worrisome, a guy who's, who's as lapse prone as him, especially alongside like someone like Jalen Brown, who's also very, very lapse prone. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a few, uh, a few too many leaks maybe. Um, but I, I have a fair amount of faith in him developing into a solid point of attack defender uh, and I think overall he'll be like okay on defense, and then just as a guy who, who again I think would would fit well in a in a Celtics offense where uh, a lot of people get opportunities. He he's a guy that I would trust to to shoot pull ups for sure. Um, and I maybe worry a little bit about you know if he if he then has to you know move toward the rim, um, but I, like hopefully in a situation where he's not surrounded by UNC players, he'll be, you know, he'll, he'll be willing to make simple decisions and just get the ball to other people who can attack. And, and then Cole won't have to, you know, attempt really hopeless rim attempts. Uh, that, that would be my hope uh, that he could, he could fit into a, a smaller, more reasonable role for him. Yeah. I think Maxi Maxi is also the very, very clear number one. Uh, he gives you, uh, I think, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, one, one of his biggest areas of you know improvement is his intermediate game on offense. And I think Maxi, you know, really gives you that consistent intermediate game. Oh, or, I mean, Tatum adds the pull-up threes. 
um, maxi. Yeah, I mean, if if you're looking for like like Jason Tatum against Milwaukee's drop, struggle. is a disaster. Yeah, uh, he has he has no floater, and they get enough back pressure that he can't really get to the pull up, and he's not Kemba with the quick pop three where like Kemba they can set uh, they can set a really high ball screen and he can rise up before the recovery is really there um but like with Tatum he can't really do that and they have enough length to actually bother his his release point um but he, he's not good enough around the rim to to deal with someone as disciplined as Lopez he doesn't have lobs or drop-offs in, in his in his arsenal as a passer and he doesn't have the floater but someone like Maxi uh I like I, I would love Maxi you know uh in the in the you know mid-range against Milwaukee like he can actually hit those shots uh and it you know it's I'm not you know that it's just another element to have that Maxi can operate on on different parts of the floor than Tatum I think is another thing that makes him really appealing yeah uh I, I think that's a great fit I what I'm not looking forward to is two to three months of telling people why they absolutely should not take Sadiq Bay or Aaron Neesmith because everyone that I like that I see seems to want them to take Sadiq Bay or Aaron Neesmith and I that God, I I like neither of those guys. Like to to, I guess to get it over with now. Like I don't think either of those guys is a good defensive prospect at all. Uh, I think Bay seems to get more credit for that because I guess he's six seven and muscular. Um, he like can't really move and is not a particularly smart uh, team defender. He like he's I don't I'm pretty confident in him being a bad defensive player. I think Neesmith is is fairly intelligent, but like he can't really move and doesn't really have the physical tools to act upon his intelligence. Um, I think he's got and, a six wingspan at least. But yeah, but I mean, he, he's not, not he's exactly slow. a vertical athlete. Yeah. yeah. And he's slow. Um, and the big, I mean, the bigger problem with Neesmith really is that offensively he can't do what they ask of, of perimeter players by any means. Like you've seen what, what's gone wrong with Carson Edwards is that, yeah, he's a guy, he's a movement shooter, but he can't, dribble or do anything inside the arc that doesn't work on the Celtics where you like if you're a perimeter player you're going to be handling in DHOs like you're going to have to move toward the rim and Neesmith can't do that at all like even even worse than Bay like Neesmith doesn't have a pull-up like Neesmith I think would truly be a disaster uh, in Boston he just doesn't fit the offense at all and he's simply not good enough to go this high like he's he's just not that good of a prospect Bay, I think, would probably be better just because he does have he does have some ball skills. Like he has more of a pull up, but I just don't think he's that good. Like he, his defense is not that good. Uh, I don't think he's that good of a prospect, and I think that would be a huge mistake, uh, especially with these guard options available. Yeah, I, I agree there, hundred uh, percent. Just just like especially with you know the wing infrastructure Boston already has, you know, in Tatum and Brown long term, Hayward in the short term. Like even Romeo Langford, I think has yeah, Langford. Romeo Langford is is pretty good. I like him a lot. Uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it really doesn't. Yeah. No, it, um, go ahead, you, Spencer. No, you go. You go. I worked out my stuff. <laughs> oh, I, I was just gonna say that that if you if you want to wing like if Vassell's there, he's the guy. Like he he's a great player. Um, he's a great defensive player. Ian Tatum with the uh, would be scary. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, like that that would be like the weirdest, coolest most me defense ever is Devin Vassell and, and Jason Tatum. I mean, same, same for Killian Hayes, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I, I would, I would love Vassell there as well. If you're not going for one of the guards, like if in a world where Maxi and Cole are both gone, uh, I think Vassell would, would be my top choice. Uh, I would really like that. I like, I think Pat is fine. Um, uh, like there, there are lots of good what options. Think like, about RJ Hampton there. That, that, I, 
I like RJ more than most. I think that the Celtics have a pretty strong track record of getting guys to defend in a way that I would be optimistic about RJ. But I, I do for sure worry about, you know, where does his decision-making level off? Uh, because having both Brown and RJ out there, I think is worrisome. Like you see that when, when Brown has the ball in his hands in key moments, like he can make some really, really costly decisions. Uh, and that's worrisome to me. Like I, I, I want a guy like someone like Maxi, who I, I think is like more decisive. Like he's just going to catch and go and probably end up taking like a pretty good runner or finishing at the rim. Like I, I would, I would prefer that strongly. I would be okay with RJ. Uh, wouldn't be like my favorite option. Like, uh, it's too high for Tillman. Um, <laughs> I like they have the later they have the later picks for Tillman. Uh, it's probably too high for Bain, but I think Bain is a great fit in that offense. Um, yeah, I, I like like where where Neesmith can't shoot off the dribble and can't handle. Uh, I think Bain very much can, and I think is a great fit for that offense. Uh, I'm trying to think like who else like yeah. people will need. like Tyrell Terry. I think would be awful. Uh. I would not like that at all for like similar reasons Bomaro uh, to be interesting. Bomaro, yeah, Bomaro from a value high. standpoint, it's not necessary, but with one of those later picks, yeah, I think Bomaro would be a really good option. I mean, the, the, the I think the main takeaway is that they have a lot of things that they can do with these picks that would be really, really good. Um, I mean, e- even someone like, like I wouldn't take him this high, but someone like Nico uh, I think would make a lot of sense as well. I mean, there, there, there are just a lot of really good options for them. Uh, and I, I'm very excited. I think, um, you know, th- three picks is a lot in a draft like this, but I, I think this 14 range is is really solid for them. So, like, the couple of things I was going to say, one, Maxi, in addition to obviously the mid-range game and all that, he gives you someone who can shoot a little bit off movement, or in theory has movement shooting, just because Kentucky ran him off screens all the time. And they did, like, this one pet play where, you know, he was watching the top of the key, or he was watching he, – he was, like, the runner, and he – like he'd read the screen and he would just do it perfectly. Um, he'd get into like a little baseline jumper or he'd continue to curl into the paint for a little floater. Um, and, and I think that would Ashton Hagen's passing him the ball. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> um, that, that would obviously be a big boon boom also. And then um, I mean, like, I, I was going to say RJ just because, you know, like he and Brown, I guess are similar, not obviously skill-wise or anything like that, but in terms of the type of prospect they were coming out of college, mm-hmm. like, you know, Jalen Brown was just that raw, like, it, it, like you know, the same way I describe RJ Hampton, I pretty much described him. He's like a ball of clay where you had that pure athlete who, you know, he was obviously much stronger, um, but he could not handle, um, you know, he, that oh, last game, like, like the March Madness game, the final one, um, I think he had like five turnovers or something like that, or he fouled out, like, you know, it was just rough and, um, you know, RJ, yeah. like, you know, I don't like his touch. I think his touch is very rough. And, you know, as Max said, you know, the decision-making and all that stuff. But the player development staff of Boston, I think, is it's just it's an proven true again. Yeah. 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 I, I would be content with RJ for sure. Um, he's, an, he's another guy that, like, if he gets to attack advantage situations, like, he's just going to be at the rim. Like, yeah. he'll be at the rim every time. And he has shown facility for, like, wraparounds to the corner like he has improved a lot as a decision maker yeah, and and i think that he, the gnashing baseline pass even yeah like like bit rj and jalen brown in transition i mean like holy crap like yeah. you talk about two just absurd athletes uh you know in the open court oh my god uh no one would no one would be able to run with them <laughs> those guys are like stride length speed 
just total freaks. Um, so I, I'd be content with that. I mean, even someone like Josh Green, like it's, it's high to me, but he, he's another guy that is a really, really great wing defender. Um, that we're talking about Boston as a team that has so much player development success. Like he, I think they could get him to shoot probably at least at an acceptable level. Um, he has that intermediate game. He has intelligence. Uh, I think that like he has, you know, some handling ability that, that is superior to someone like Neesmith. Um, yeah, he is. He is a good passer. Like, like he, he's a good decision maker that you could throw into that mix. Uh, along with like that really NBA ready body and, and some really freakish t- movement tools. Uh, so I think that would make some sense too. Like would definitely wouldn't be my top choice. De- definitely a reach by my board, but uh, uh, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. I think there are a lot of fine options uh, and, and a few really great ones. I, I've got two more um, players. So, I mean, I guess adding a little bit more back onto Dane, like just speaking with him, the two players who he's, you know, been focusing a lot on it. Like he's brought up Brogdon. He's brought up, um, Derek White, but he said that specifically like on defense, he's watching someone like Marcus Smart because that switchability. Um, and then on offense, he's watching someone like uh, Joe Harris. So if you can, if Boston gets him and he could, he could be some weird combination of the two of them, huh. that's amazing. Um, and then again, going back to the developmental stuff and Boston's need for a big Poku. Yeah. Like just Poku, like, you know, I'm a Knicks fan, obviously. Um, or I'm a Knicks fan, so obviously I would not really like it just because, <laughs> like, you know, Boston, if, there are very few teams I would completely trust with um, his development. You know, I would trust the Spurs, I would trust Boston, and I would trust the Raptors. Um, I guess in you know, Milwaukee too, um, but very, very few. And the idea of Boston developing Poku is scary because, like, they could just get even like not even everything. If they could get that median outcome, and if he's that movement shooting big with a little bit of passing, that's perfect. Yeah, that that would be awesome. Uh, thinking about a Poku Grant Williams front court and getting yep. very excited. Um, yeah, no, I, I think Poku would be great because because I mean he's he's a guy that yeah I think he would play as a perimeter player for the Celtics, but I think he can handle it. Like I I think he's capable of doing what they want out of perimeter players, um, and I think that would be really cool. Uh, I I would definitely be 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 in on that. Uh, for honestly, 14's not not too rich for me, especially with with they actually have four picks because they have 47 as well. Um, so that I mean, I don't, I wouldn't want to roster that many guys, I don't think. Uh, so I would look to you know either trade or stash. Uh, so if Poku can be a stash, then that's that's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, the, I think the point is that they have a lot of really good options with this pick. Uh, I believe trust in them to get it right provided they do not take Aaron Neesmith or Sadiq Bay I will be pretty happy um, I think that I oh, go yeah that, that, that should do that it should for, do for it the lottery lottery um are gonna talk about catching eye stuff the Pacers have pulled within two they were down by like 25 earlier the heat in game three so that's exciting um but that's not what we're talking about um so let's do our catching eye I'll start with some 2021 high school class news uh, Paolo Banquero has committed to Duke, um, which is incredible for Duke. Duke had Duke already had the commitment of AJ Griffin, who you know myself and many others believe is the best player in the 2021 high school class, and now they have just they have just um, you know had the commitment of Banquero, who myself and many others believe is the second best player in the the 2020 2021 high school class, which is just ridiculous. Um, they're going to have those two on the same basketball court. Um, 
Boncaro, we've talked about him before. I mean, a really exceptional big man prospect at legit 6'10 with shooting, handling, passing skill, um, in impressive mobility, um, you know, has has issues as a, as a passer, decision maker. Um, the shooting ceiling is questionable. Uh, is, I'm not unsure where it lands, but, you know, he's he's an exceptional prospect that we talked about more in depth on previous episodes. Um, yeah, that that's just truly terrifying that they're going to share the same floor uh, in a couple of years, hopefully. Um, and then it could go to the G League. It could be one and done by that point. Yeah, or G League. I mean, I could see yeah. either of them, you know, G Leagueing. But if they both go to Duke, that's ridiculous. And then another quick um, Paolo's uh, Seattle Rotary teammate, Nolan Hickman. Uh, another 2021 high school, an underrated guard in the, the 2021 high school class committed to Kentucky, I believe, today. Um, you know, just was pretty efficient in UIBL, but is, you know, has some juice as an on-ball creator. Pretty impressive, you know, shifty handler, has some burst, um, flashes, pull-up shooting and passing. It is another intriguing get for them, uh, someone to track. Uh, not going to be a one-and-done or anything, almost, almost certainly, but, you know, another good guard for Kentucky. Uh, but yeah, Palo to Duke is the, the really big, big big news out of you know, recruiting. We should mention also that it, that it's rumored that Patrick Baldwin yes. might join them. So that might at be, Duke and you know yeah, so Patrick Baldwin is 1 2 3 in that class. Yeah, yeah, they might be the top 3 prospects in that class. Patrick Baldwin uh is 6'10 with like one of the most beautiful jump shots in the world. Um it's it's insanely beautiful. Uh, and has like some ball skills that he didn't really show in AU, but showed in in uh, in high school that he he can be a pretty impressive shot maker. Uh, that's a ridiculous trio. Uh, AJ and Paolo are, I think, pretty special prospects. A- a- AJ a little more so than Paolo, but those guys are ridiculous. Uh, I think that this could be better than Zion, uh, RJ, and Cam yeah, for sure. I think it could. Be. Um, yeah, if they if they play there, there are definitely rumors about AJ as a G League guy potentially. Uh, we'll see. Um, but if those three play together at Duke, ridiculous! Oh my god! Like, and the the thing that's that's kind of exciting about them is that it's a lot less questionable of a fit yeah. than someone like R- than people like RJ and Zion together. Like AJ, ridiculous shooter. Patrick Baldwin, ridiculous shooter. Uh, Paolo, like less of a ridiculous shooter, but you know, you've got two, two, two of the like best six, seven plus shooting prospects, like uh, among, among like star level prospects that we've seen. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting, uh, pretty terrifying for other ACC teams, I would think. Uh, but that should be really cool if they play together, that they would be, uh, intimidating. Be incredible. Uh, I really... I, I really, really hope that happens. I mean, just watching them play against each other, you know, this year at City of Palms was fun enough. But just, just thinking about them, you know, carving up teams together, that that, that that's pretty exciting. And yeah, and, uh, so I yeah. wait, quick, quickly, one thing that you know, Duke, given all of the 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 high school twenty twenty talent that Duke has, all of those guys are not going to go one and done. So. Their yeah. roster is for you know the 2021 2022 season is the 2022 season is going to be ridiculously loaded. So yeah, it's going to be crazy. Um, the one guy I wanted to mention was Tyrell Terry because I I'm going to invoke Bull versus Houston again because um, I was watching the USC Stanford game yesterday and and 
for most of it, Terry was was good. Like he had some really impressive moments. He has that that like reverse uh, against the Kongwu that everyone's seen. He had that huge uh, deep three. I think at the end of the first half, uh, like he 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 made some he made some great defensive plays in that game. But I don't know what it was. I don't know if he was fatigued or hurt or something like that. But his defense in the clutch of that game was like some of the worst prospect defense I've ever seen. Like it, like if if I were one of his teammates, I would have been pissed off at him. Could, like he just stopped playing defense basically as soon as it got to being like a close game with a few minutes left he just stopped playing defense like it, it wasn't it wasn't that he just like was kind of dying on screens he just like wasn't moving as people like people like his man would move off the ball would relocate and he would just stand still uh and he was dying on screens and was just like i, I like not not rotating nothing like it was really remarkably bad uh it was like kind of embarrassing i like i i kind of hope for his sake that that he was like just very fatigued or or had some sort of minor injury or something like that as an excuse and like i i don't think that this is like a consistent thing from tyrell terry like he was a surprisingly good defensive player at stanford uh but that was wild that was that was like truly one of the most mind-bogglingly bad defensive performances down the stretch that i've seen like throughout throughout the rest of the game it was typical tyrell terry up and down uh some really really impressive moments some meh ones uh but yeah that was that was just like shocking yeah i mean terry uh, uh so- a good defensive you know good defender pretty solid defender in college just very small and you know those moments yeah this case yeah, uh, Spencer, do you have anyone you want to talk about, or or no? Yamadar. Yeah, ah, okay. Yeah, we sh- we could do a little Yam debate, honestly. Yeah. So but yeah, go ahead. Um. Yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, just like the more I watch, so I liked him earlier in the season. I liked him. I mean, starting last year, um, his FIBA stuff I thought really, <clears throat> really popped both in terms of what he could do on offense. You know, the passing, he's got the flair, he's got the handle, he's. Pretty inconsistent outside shooter, but I think the shot will come. Um, I like the form. I think he's got good height on the shot also, and it's pretty consistent in terms of uh, mechanics. But the defense, the physicality, um, he's so quick. Just, you know, just he's so, so, so quick from the feet to the hands to his reactions. Um, that, you know, stuck out last year. And then this year, kept my eye on him. I had him, you know, as a late second-round pick-ish type on um, mid second round pick and then just the more i watched the more i realized like if he played in the ncaa he'd be a first round pick he'd be a first round talk pick you know there really would be that much of a difference in terms of a uh, draft range between him i honestly think tyrell terry i think those guys would be in a similar tier i think nico would be there um malachi although i would take malachi before because malachi's a god um but like madar just you know he he, he gets too over aggressive i think on defense at times um where he's, you know, he's reaching when he shouldn't be. Um, maybe, you know, he doesn't always talk, uh, but there are some really impressive reasons. Like the last three games of the year against Maccabi, like he has some uh, truly elite defensive reads. Um, and when you couple that with his attitude, he's fiery, like he's he's physical. Um, he's, you know, 6'2", 175, 185, whatever it is. Um, he plays, you know, Physically, he plays above his size, and I like that in guards. And I think if you're a team in the late first round, um, early second, I, I would take him. I would not, you know, I wouldn't take Tyrell Terry 20 picks before. I think 
but yeah, I'm, I'm just like all in on my Dars being some sort of, you know, quality backup point guard, maybe spot point guard uh, starter, um, probably on a lower level team if that happened. Um, I just think he's being severely undervalued at this point. And yeah. I'm less interested in investing in Madar now than seeing what he is in like two to three years and just seeing how he matures because the, like I view him as a backup point guard prospect and I don't like someone who's as erratic as he is in, in that position. Like he really is wildly over aggressive on defense and he it, like, it bites offense him a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Offense too. But like, I mean, we like, we were, we were talking about this the other day, like some of the stuff he does on defense is incredible. Like he yeah. makes some of the best guard defense plays in the class. Some of his reads are unbelievable. The, the toughness is real. Like, it, like he fights in the post on switches. Like it's, it's very real. Um, but he gets himself into trouble. Like, he, like I think the second most aggressive guard defender in the class is probably Bulmaro. And, it, like, he gets into trouble sometimes, but it's, like, 10% as often as Madar, who, like, it's it's pretty frequent that Yam is, like... To the reach. So it, like, yeah. there, there was one one play in the third to last game, so I guess it was the first playoff game against Maccabi, where he has uh, Dorsey. I think it was Dorsey right in front of him. Um, and he's like poking at the ball, the ball is loose and Dorsey gets it and Madar just keeps going after it. Then there's an open lane. He just kind of stands there. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like I, for me, I, I'm a backup point guard. I want more to be, to be more steady than that. Uh, I, I yeah, I just, the risk taking, uh, he like it, some of it's really good. He just needs to rein it in a bit. Yeah. Uh, and then offensively, yeah, the shot is a question mark. His passing is like kind of notably inaccurate, I would say. Um, I think he's got like, good vision, though. The vision, yeah, he does. Yeah, but but the it's just like it, there are so many things that I want to see him polish over the next two to three years. And if I'm an NBA team, I don't want him to be burning years of a rookie contract doing that. Like, I'll I'll check back on on Yam in in two to three years, and then maybe I'll be interested in him. That that's kind of my problem with him is that, like you're shooting for a backup point guard, but like there are so many, so many of his problems are things that I think should be pretty correctable with age. And I would just not want to be the team that, that puts uh, resources into developing that. I would just want to be the one that, you know, reaps the benefits. You, you could stash them. Um, that's like, true. I that, know, that, that's appealing. Like his team is, um, he's there was a direct quote. They're open to everything. Um, so you know, that could definitely happen, but I think just him going from last year being, you know, a tiny non-piece really to then being the starting piece who killed it in the playoffs. I mean, like, sure, he wasn't always great, but I think I think he was overwhelmingly good. Um, from a 19-year-old who's a month younger than Terry, I'd like, that's, you know, obviously a month isn't much, but people talk about, you know, freshmen and all that. He's, he's a freshman or, you know, a young sophomore, whatever you want to call it. Um, like, you know, I wouldn't obviously burn a top 20 pick on him, but I think there needs to be more talk about just what he can do. And like, yeah, he's, he's erratic. He has to improve his IQ just on both sides of the court, but the flashes on defense, the flashes on offense with the passing, the shot making, the finishing is legit with either hand. Like he's, he is truly ambidextrous, I think. Um, I think it's worth worth paying attention to. 
Yeah, he, he's he's not my favorite guy, but if someone took him in like the first half of the second, especially as a stash, like someone like a team that really doesn't have a roster spot or, or like doesn't have a rotation spot, um, if someone took him first half of the second and is like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna see what you look like in a couple years, I, I think that would make some sense. Okay, yeah, I've been um, a bit so out think- quickly. I'll say because I'm watching the Pacers try to come back. Uh, but yeah, I like Madara as a stash. I think that's a cool option. I think with that, um, unless Spencer, unless you have anything else you desperately want to talk about, I think we're going to finish up for today. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This is, this is really awesome. Uh, we obviously love your work, uh, and, uh, appreciate you taking the time. Um, you can follow Spencer at SK Perlman, correct? On Twitter. Yep. And uh, find all of his work at the Stepian. Uh, you can follow the pod at Prep Number Two Pro Pod on Twitter. Follow Ben at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore, and me at Max A Carlin. Uh, Spencer, I guess is there anything you want to plug uh, before we finish up? Finally, I've got nothing coming out. Unfortunately, I'm too busy. But I mean, I'm always posting clips. Yes, all, always posting clips and clips that put the rest of us to shame because the editing is so much better. Like so, so, so much better. Um, Thank if you. you if you somehow like follow this podcast and don't follow Spencer, uh, rectify that immediately uh, at SK Perlman on Twitter. Uh, and with that, we're gonna finish up. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks again to Spencer for coming on, uh, and we'll see you next week.